Galatians 1, verse 10 through 24. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Over the last couple of centuries, it has been believed that Christianity is a religion of tolerance. Uh, In many ways, this is true. But just in the first few verses of this letter, Paul doesn't sound so tolerant. Now, Paul sounded more tolerant when he was dealing with personal sins, like when he wrote to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he even goes as far as describing in what ways we are to be tolerant of our friends who are unbelievers. Paul sounded even more tolerant of bad teachers in his letter to the Philippians. These bad teachers were preaching the gospel out of spite. And he said in response to that, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. He was saying as long as the true gospel is being preached, I don't care about their motives. Because the gospel is going out and people are hearing it. He sounds like a pretty positive guy, doesn't he? But when it came to false teaching in the church, Paul was intolerant. He said, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, the one you received, let him be accursed. He was more tolerant of pagan unbelievers outside the church than he was with so-called believers and teachers within the, the church. Because they were enlightened by the gospel and they should have known better. The Galatians were professing believers. The false teachers, the Judaizers, they were professing believers. So they had no excuse. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, God judges those outside. I can't control them. So Paul's concern was primarily for those whom God entrusted to him with the gospel. He was primarily concerned with what was going on in the church. But as we approach this text in front of us today, we see the other side of intolerance. Uh, Let us not believe that the gospel makes most people happy. That if we just tell people about Jesus and what he has done, they're just going to be all smiles, accept the message, and love us. Paul says, hold on a minute. Just like Paul was intolerant of false teaching in the church, the natural man is intolerant to the true gospel. This is why there was tension in the Galatian churches to begin with. And Paul would eventually be persecuted and executed for this gospel of free grace. So this text helps to correct our false expectations of what happens when the world hears the gospel. Some will accept it, while others, if not most, will reject it, oftentimes violently. We see this around the world happening right now. That makes outreach a little more difficult, doesn't it? And the reason being, as Paul lays it out here, is because he is not here to please man. The gospel is not here to please man. Nor was he sent by man. Because the gospel has a greater purpose than the purposes of man. The true gospel is a message of faith, not works. The true gospel transforms man. And the true gospel is meant to go out into the world so that the whole world would worship and glorify God. That's what the gospel is about. That's what Paul's ministry was about. And that's what our ministry in this church is about. So first, he is not here to please man. Let us begin by understanding the context. The Judaizers were Jewish Christian teachers who were spreading a false gospel around the Galatian churches. This false gospel taught that in order for someone to be saved, they had to be circumcised. But in order to convince the Galatians, the Judaizers also had to discredit Paul and his message. And to do this, they were gossiping and slandering Paul. They were saying things like, Paul is just a man pleaser. He says what everyone wants to hear. He's like a chameleon. He's a Jew to the Jews and a Gentile to the Gentiles. So we need to settle on one identity. Are we to be Jews or are we to be Gentiles? The Judaizers decided we are to be Jews. So if you want to be a true Christian, if you want to be saved, you must be circumcised. They were going back to the law and adding works to salvation. Now, where did they get this idea that Paul was just a man pleaser? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, To the Jews I became as a Jew. To those outside the law, the Gentiles... I became as one outside the law, as a Gentile. But you've got to ask the question, what was the purpose behind it? That he might win them by the gospel. He says that by all means, 
I might save some. The gospel was at the heart of his motives. It wasn't to please man. This is why he had Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, circumcised in order that Timothy may be more effective with the gospel among the Jews who have not yet heard nor believed in the gospel. It was an entry point into their culture. But on the flip side, he would not allow Titus to be circumcised as a message to the Judaizers who were trying to spy out their Christian freedom. Because they should have known better. They knew the gospel. They knew about Christian freedom. That we have been delivered from the bondage to the law in Christ Jesus. So Paul was indifferent to circumcision until they made it necessary for salvation. He would later say, circumcision or uncircumcision is nothing. What matters is a new creation. So in response to these slanders, Paul asks the Galatians, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, both in his salvation and his calling as a minister of the gospel, Paul had to let go of what people thought of him. In following the traditions of his fathers, Paul was a people pleaser. He was keeping up with appearances, seeking the approval of others. But when Christ called him, he had to let go of people pleasing. This is the same with personal relationships, isn't it? You've tried so hard to get along with someone who's hard to get along with. And everything you've done, you always end up in the wrong, no matter what. Eventually, You have to let go of people-pleasing. Paul says what matters is that we are approved by God. And guess what? The gospel liberates us from trying to gain approval from God. Because Jesus Christ has already attained that approval for us. He frees us from always trying to seek to please people. He frees us also from striving to save ourselves from God's wrath. Because God is already pleased with us through what Christ has already accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. See, the Christian is the most liberated person on the planet. The Christian is the most freed person. We are now freed to please God, not man. That is what salvation does for us. So Paul's message, which is the core issue here, was not meant to please man. The gospel message is not catered to what man wants to hear. Although we are always to speak the truth in love, but when we try to make the gospel more attractive to the world, or to the natural man, it proves to be useless. It it always becomes fruitless. The gospel does not and will not please the natural man. The gospel actually angers the natural man. Because the natural man says to God, much like Cain before him, look at all that I've done. Look at all of my good works. 
Look at my family background. Look at how I grew up. Look at my cultural and ethnic background. Have I gained your approval yet? God says, no. God says, no. The gospel obliterates any attempt to earn salvation based on anything except for the person and work of Jesus Christ. Remember, our righteous deeds are just filthy rags, as Isaiah says. This is why Paul was persecuted. This is why the church is still being persecuted. This is why false teachers keep rising up in the church. Man cannot let go of his works. Man cannot let go of his pride. And this has happened generation after generation in the church. But secondly, he continues by saying that the reason why he is not here to please man is because his message, the gospel that he preaches, is not man's gospel. The false teachers were claiming that Paul's message was not the same message as the apostles before him. A funny thing is, this is the same claim that the liberal theologians would argue thousands of years later. They say that Paul's message was not the same message as Jesus' message. These false teachers claim that he must have received his message from other men removed from the original disciples. Maybe because he was preaching to the Gentiles. And these Judaizers were angry that the people of God, the church, were no longer identified solely by their ethnicity with Israel, nor were they identified with national Israel. But Paul says, no, he didn't make up this message the way the false teachers did. He didn't receive it from any ordinary man the way the Galatians received the false teacher's message. Yes, Jesus is a man, but he is also God. But no one taught Paul the gospel, neither the disciples nor any other man. How did he receive the gospel? He says, through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is speaking of Paul's conversion story, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, conversion stories in all of Scripture. After Paul made arrangements with the high priest to capture the disciples, whoever was preaching about Jesus, he made his way back to Damascus, but on the way there, a light from heaven shone around him, and he was visited by Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is why Paul reminds them of how he once lived before Christ. Before this, he was living by the false gospel. He was living by the gospel of man. During his former life in Judaism, he thought that Christianity was blasphemous and he persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, all the while believing that he was being zealous for the one true God. We see this among Muslims today. They fight violently against Christianity, though in their minds they believe they're being zealous for the one true God when they're not. Paul was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, and he was advancing in Judaism beyond many of his own age among his people. Listen to what he says to the Philippians. I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But he was doing what was expected of him as he was so zealous for the traditions of his fathers. Thinking that he was zealous for God when he was at the same time rejecting God's Messiah. And that was the problem. He thought he was right with God when he was not because he rejected Christ. Many people think that they are right with God because they think they're good when they are not. Because they reject Jesus. See, every other religion in the world in some way resembles this false gospel that the Judaizers were imposing on the Galatians. In some way, all false religions are man-centered and glorifies human beings and their works rather than the works of Christ. In some way, it becomes about law-keeping or a new teaching or ritual to follow in order to be saved. But this can happen in the church as well. Some people consider themselves Christians because of cultural, ethnic, or family background, or how much they keep the law, or even how they voted in the last election. When there is no real faith in God and His gospel. Children, I'm speaking to children who haven't professed their faith, when it is time to profess your faith in front of the church, remember, it must be your faith. Not your parents' faith. Not your friends' faith. Your parents can't believe for you. They're there to guide you and to teach you what the gospel is. But they can neither keep you away from, nor can they force you to believe and profess your faith in front of the congregation. Because Paul says that there was a turning point. He went from living by a false gospel to preaching the true gospel. He went from living by the gospel of man, the traditions of man, to living by faith in Jesus Christ. He came to the realization that he couldn't keep the law in order to be right with God. He could only be considered righteous before God through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. That turning point was when Christ was revealed to him. He says, but when he, speaking of God the Father, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, not even the apostles. He didn't go to Jerusalem to consult with them. He went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, he went to visit Cephas or Peter in Jerusalem for 15 days. What he did in the three years prior, we're not exactly sure. He could have been preaching or he was being trained or both. We don't know for sure. But the point is that he received his commission directly from God, not men, as he declares before God that in all that he was writing, he does not lie. And the only two disciples he saw first, after three years, was Peter and James, Jesus' brother. 
This could be because many of the disciples were still afraid that he was going to persecute them some more. And then he went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And he says, I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. All this to say that he received his message and commission directly from Christ. That's what makes him an apostle. And this same message has been handed down to us in the Holy Scripture. And we are expected to receive it. Receive what, you may ask. When he traveled to Judea, what was their response to Paul? Once known as Saul, who persecuted the church. They said, now he is different. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of Paul. What was he preaching? He was preaching the faith. He was not preaching the works of the law. He wasn't preaching that they should receive circumcision. He was preaching the faith that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not by works of the law, not by obedience to the law. Because if they received circumcision and trusted in that for salvation, they would be rejecting the sufficiency of Christ's work on the cross. If we trust in our own good works at all as the grounds for our salvation, we would be rejecting the sufficiency of Christ's work on the cross. Because it's like trying to substitute our imperfect law-keeping with Christ's perfect law-keeping on our behalf. And our law-keeping would not be able to stand God's scrutiny. It's like promising to give God flowers while handing Him a bag of rocks. And we would all be condemned. Not only that, but they wanted to turn back to the old covenant that has been dissolved in Christ. They wanted to turn back to the present evil age. They wanted to reestablish Israel as a nation, and they were not looking forward to the new Jerusalem that will come down from heaven. So instead, Paul preached the faith that we receive by faith, not by sight. A faith that we receive by the Spirit and not by works of the flesh. Because our salvation is not dependent on our works. We're not to look inward to find our sufficiency. Our sufficiency is found outside ourselves. It is found only in Christ. We are to look by faith to Christ and His finished work on our behalf. Anything less or anything else will not and cannot save. It will not and cannot transform us and transfer us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's Son. So for a few points of application, let us backtrack here in this text. And we'll be able to cover a couple of points that are relevant to us today. We see in this text here both the personal and the global effects of the gospel. First, notice how since the gospel is not from man, but from God, it causes a change in the person who receives it. 
Paul once persecuted the church of God. Now he preaches the faith. And this change came when the one who set him apart before he was born, this is speaking of election here, and who called him by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to Paul. Ironically, the Pharisees and their heirs, the Judaizers, believed that they were set apart by keeping the law. But Paul says that he was set apart and called by God's grace. Salvation is all by God's grace. The believer, like Paul, was set apart before he or she was born. Paul would say to the Ephesians that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. But there is also a moment in our lives when he calls us by his grace. While it is true that we are not apostles and we do not serve the same role as Paul, but we do have the words of Paul recorded in the word of God. The gospel is still a divine gospel as it is recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And God, by the operation of the Holy Spirit, uses the word and the sermons you listen to to call you to himself and reveal his son to you. As Paul says to the Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is what we have on our billboard out front. There's a purpose to that. That's letting the world know that they do not have faith apart from Christ's word. So this gospel, as it is proclaimed, it transforms you, even if it is little by little. But either way, it won't leave you alone. You will be changed. Now, what did God transform Paul for? We have concluded that the gospel is not a man-made message about God. It is God's good news for man. He says, but when he had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Here, he sounds a lot like Isaiah and Jeremiah, when they said that the Lord knew and called them from the womb and appointed them to shine as lights to the nations, that is, to the Gentiles. See, the gospel going out to the Gentiles was not a plan B. Okay? It wasn't plan A. Let me try to save my people, Israel. And if that fails, I'll move on to plan B and I'll save the Gentiles. No. Israel was always meant to be a gathering of both Jew and Gentile. Since the promise that was given to Abram in Genesis chapter 12. In Romans 11, Paul said that there would be a partial hardening of Israel. That is, ethnic Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel, all of the people of God. Israel, made up of both Jew and Gentile, that is the church, will be saved. Paul was on that mission to spread the gospel to all Israel, which always included Gentiles. So in the church today, the distinction between Jew and Gentile has been removed. 
And we as a church have been given a commission by Jesus himself to make disciples of all nations, or a better translation for us today, all ethnic groups, not nation states. This is why as a local church we have Home and Foreign Missions Committee to keep you updated on what's going on with our missionaries, how the gospel is being spread around the world, and how you can pray for them and show your support. Because the gospel is not to be restricted to one particular group or nation. The gospel is not to be limited to Jews in modern day Israel. That's why you don't have to become Jewish to become Christian. I find it odd and erroneous that Christians in the church are insisting on celebrating old Jewish celebrations like Passover when that has already been fulfilled in Christ. We have a greater celebration now and we call it the Lord's Supper. We don't have to go back to that. I know there's a lot of turmoil around this topic because of what's going on in Israel. But that can't stop us from speaking the truth. Jews today must place their faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. If Jews remain Jews, as far as religiously, they will not be saved. They need the gospel just as much as Gentiles need the gospel. They both need the gospel. Also, the gospel is not to be limited to the United States of America. The U.S. is not the new heavens and the new earth. I'm surprised I would have to say that. And as Americans, our national identity is not superior when it comes to the gospel. This is not home base. The U.S. is not the end goal for the church. The gospel is international because all the world needs to hear about Jesus and about the kingdom that is coming and the kingdom that has already come here in the church. And this kingdom is above every other kingdom, including the U.S. If you can't say that the priorities of the kingdom of God are more important than the agendas of the U.S., there's something wrong in your reading of Scripture. This is why Christians are not liked. This is why Christians were not liked in Rome under Caesar, because we repeated what Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. So the gospel message is not of this world because we're just pilgrims. We're passing away. It comes directly from God and one day we're going home to be with God. If you want to be liked, if you want a packed church every Sunday, make the message every Sunday about the things of this world. Pick whatever hot topic you see on the news and preach about that. You'll pack your church on a Sunday. But what will be missing is what they need to hear. And that is the gospel. So this gospel is not from man, but from God. It is a message that by word and spirit transforms man. So this is why it is to go out to the world. But for what? Is the gospel only about saving people? 
that would make the gospel very much man-centered. We need to ask the question, what are people saved for? Listen to their response in Judea when they realized that Paul was preaching the same gospel and they glorified God because of me. They didn't say, oh, Paul, look at how you've changed. Good job, Paul. No, they glorified God. They knew that God worked in Paul and changed Paul. And they worshipped God. See, the goal of the gospel is not just to save people or to see that people would live better lives, but it is to see the whole world worship and glorify God, people from all backgrounds. We want the worship of God to be on everyone's lips. We want to see that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the point of the gospel. Someone popular has said that missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. That's the end goal of evangelism. It's not just to save people. Not just to save people from hell. It is so that the worship of God would be around this world. So ask yourself, have you believed in a man-made message? Are you trusting in man-made rituals and traditions? Are you seeking the approval of man? Or are you caught up in people-pleasing? Are you here because you want to please your parents? Or are you just trying to keep up with appearances? You're trying to keep up with an image? Maybe the church is just another good cause for you to be a part of, that you can tell people about? Or have you received this gospel of God? And has this gospel of God transformed your thinking about your own life and purpose? Is there actual life with God within you? Have you turned to God by faith that you are undone in His presence? That you know you will be condemned if it was left up to you? Because the gospel of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ changes everything. And it is the only message that can completely transform sinners into saints. Saints who seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because through this gospel, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Amen.